we're in a, a little uh, mini-series um, today, uh, started last week, uh, we'll go through next week on lament, and uh, last week we spent some time talking about the grace uh, of lament, let me pull that first slide up, uh, today we're going to just talk about what, is it, what does it look like to uh, learn to practice lament as a way that we worship God, as a way that we follow God. We'll talk about that today. And then next week, we'll spend talking about um, just some equipping around walking with one another. I mean, Paul says in Romans 12, I believe, that we uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. What does that mean? How do we do that well? Um, And I just learned some lessons in my own life. Uh, Sometimes Christians mean well, Uh, But mourning with those who mourn doesn't always come across very well. And so we're going to engage that conversation uh, next week. Let me remind you of how we defined uh, lament last week. Uh, We defined it this way. Uh, Lament is how Christians grieve. Um, That would be the baseline definition that I would give you on lament. Um, Lament is grieving with hope. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, Paul's language there. Uh, Lament, we said, is a prayer uh, that holds our pain, our struggle, uh, holds space between our pain, our struggle, and the promises uh, of God in our lives. Um, What I'm hoping to invite you into is this truth that God welcomes your lament, He welcomes your grief, your questions, your journey, Uh, and I would say this way, your faith, your faith journey, uh, honestly, it suffers uh, when lament is missing. But as I've walked uh, my own journey in my life uh, over a lot of years and being a pastor, um, I've learned that lament is hard for some, some of us. Uh, maybe lament is hard for a lot of us. It's uh, unfamiliar terrain. Uh, maybe it's uncomfortable uh, terrain for us. Um, acknowledging, uh, though, our deep pain, our struggle, um, the questions that we have that come out of our struggle um, is often accompanied uh, by frustration, uh, by anger, perhaps even at God himself. And so we struggle sometimes in lament because acknowledging that deep pain and, and knowing that there's anger, uh, frustration at God himself might um, limit me or remove me from practicing uh, lament. And so what I want to do is just start this way. Uh, I believe based on scripture, uh, we looked at a number of uh, places last week in the lament Psalms, uh, that God actually desires for you for me, for us to pour out our hearts to him. Desires it, welcomes it. Whether we're in a season of joy uh, or um, like things in life are going well and it's really, it's more celebratory, we're pouring out our hearts that way or we're in a season or a journey of pain and sorrow, we're pouring out our hearts in that way to him as well. Uh, What I have found in my life is that honest, like really honest, raw, Lament um, actually brings us into a deeper relationship with God. Um, Now, I will say this. Your questions in lament are not always answered, like the specific questions. They're not always answered. Um, The hurt that you have uh, in lament um, 
it doesn't always go away. I mean, the language that I use, I, I walk with a limp. I'll always walk with the limp, but I'm walking, and I'm moving forward. Um, so the questions aren't always answered. The hurt doesn't necessarily always go away, but the compassion of God, the mercy of God, the comfort of God, the love of God, I believe and have experienced in my own life is better understood uh, and experienced when we lament. Um, And that's the grace of lament. It actually expands our understanding of worship. And so I believe that if we remove lament from our lives, uh, we miss something really, really important. Um, For me, uh, learning to practice lament uh, kept me from despairing. Um, and I will tell you, I will tell you that uh, whether, um, whether it's lament or whether it's despair, uh, both of those reality acknowledge wounding. Like if I'm, in a, if I'm in a place of despairing or I'm in a place of lament, both, both of those realities acknowledge Pain, struggle, deep questions. Um, They both feel a problem that is difficult or a circumstance that is painful. But there's a huge difference between despairing and lament. And here's the difference. Despair, despair is when I am trying uh, to, to solve, fix, go through whatever issue, whatever problem, whatever grief I'm in uh, on my own in my own strength. Like despair is when we're trying to figure this whole thing out and walk, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, when we're really not fine. But we're trying to fix it, figure it out, go through it on our own. That is when I experience despair. Lament Lament, however, is the practice, yes, of naming the hardship, but it gets us to two places. It gets us to a place of turning to God by refusing to let go of our hope, and and two, it helps us turn to each other for support and help from one another. That's the difference that I found between the two. And so lament, and what I'm hoping to do in, in learning to practice lament, is that it, it, it allows you to be honest with your questions, with your struggle. But we're actually turning to God in that place, and we're asking one another to help us in the journey as well. We are refusing to go at it alone. Um, lament is grace. I believe that. Lament is also practice. And we need to learn to practice uh, lament. Um, years ago, I read a book by a guy named Michael Card. Anybody know who? The, anybody know the name Michael Card? Okay, all right. He's got some incredible like singer songwriting things out there. He is a deep well of lament. And he wrote a book called Sacred Sorrow. It's a provocative name of a book. Um, and I want to share this line from you from his book. I'm going to put my glasses on. Lament is the path that takes us to the place where we discover that there is no complete answer to pain and suffering, only presence. 
The language of lament gives us a meaningful form to our grief by providing a vocabulary for our suffering and then offering it to God as worship. The only answer is a dangerous, disturbing, comforting presence, which is a true answer to all our questions and hopes. Lament ultimately doesn't answer all your questions, but it gets us to God and it gets us connected to one another so that we know that we're not alone. Amen? So um, this isn't an exhaustive list that I'm going to provide for us today, but just some honest reflection uh, from my own heart, my own journey, my own experience uh, on some ways that I would equip you and learning how to practice lament in your own life. Um, And so I just want to offer four ways uh, for us of doing this. Um, And lament always begins here. What is your concern? Uh, What is your complaint before God? And what are your questions about that uh, concern. We spent some time, if you weren't here with us last week, we uh, spent time uh, reading the first verse or two of six lament psalms from Psalm 55 to Psalm 67. And we said that almost every lament psalm, and, and by the way, a third of the psalms are lament. There's 150 psalms, do the math, 50 or so lament psalms. And so we're, we're engaging in the reality that the scripture invites us to understand and practice lament in our lives. And almost every lament psalm begins with a crying out to God about some circumstance, Psalm 55, 2, there's this, the psalmist has this sense of just being overwhelmed, overwhelmed with everything that's happening and going on in life. Psalm 55, 2, my thoughts trouble me and I am, and I am distraught. Honest reflection. Psalm 58, 1, uh, in thinking about and experiencing the injustice of what's happening in the world, the psalmist cries out, do you rulers speak justly? Do you judge uprightly among men? Implied answer, no. That's why I'm crying out before God because of the injustice that's happening. Psalm 61, you have rejected us, O God, and burst forth upon us. Not true, but feels true. You with me? Like not true, but feels true. God, you have rejected us. God, where are you? Question, you ever been there? You ever been there? When your feelings carry more weight than your faith, When your circumstances, your pain, your sorrow, uh, carries more authority than the supernatural promises of God. You ever been there? Um, I I know I have, and I will tell you, uh, it's not a pretty and calm scene. It's the untamed reality of grief. 
When you get to the place emotionally, spiritually, so overwhelmed, you're so in pain, where you're literally saying to God, where are you? You have rejected me. For me, it looked like a lot of long walks out in the forest where I knew that no one could see me or hear me. Lots of screaming. Um, Lots of taking big sticks and breaking them over trees. Uh, Lots of laying around on the ground in tears. The psalmist, Psalm 42 says, my tears have been my food day and night while men say to me all day long, where is your God? To which in that place for me, my answer to that like accusatory question, when my tears have been my food day and night and my accusers come to me and say, oh, you're a pastor, you're a believer in Jesus, where's your God now? My question, my answer to that question is, I don't know, I don't know. But this is where lament starts. This is where it starts. Our concerns, our complaints, our struggles give voice to our hard questions. The beginning of lament is where ultimately, I believe, we get to the two questions, the, the two questions, that if you have lamented, if you have struggled, if you have been, been on those kind of long walks like I have been on, you ask these questions. First, God, where are you? And two, God, if you love me, then why? We must start lament with these kind of honest, uh, hard questions. This, again, is the untamed reality of our grief. Um, But here's what I found about lament. Uh, Lament refuses to keep you there. Lament refuses to move you into a place of despair. Yes, it invites the concerns, the complaints. It invites you to ask the hard questions, but it will not allow you to stay in that place. Um, An invitation for you to study uh, this week. Go study the lives of Job. Go study the life of King David. Go study the life of the prophet Jeremiah. Each of their lives uh, saturated with lament. Each story will provide insight into the importance of lament and how to lament well. And in their lament, they ask the hard questions. And yet they will not, they refuse to push away from God in their lament. The same is true of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah, giving a prophecy of the coming Messiah, Isaiah 53, describes the Messiah this way. You've heard this before. The Messiah will be a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus himself. I want to invite you to remember the Garden of Gethsemane, Thursday night, 
before the cross of Calvary on Good Friday. Jesus has just left his disciples in the upper room. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And Luke 22 says this is where Jesus was in his humanity. He was anguished. It says he was praying earnestly. And it says that his sweat was like drops of blood. And in this place, in that place of being anguished and praying earnestly and refusing to push away from the Father in that place of deep question and anguish, this was his prayer. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, like Job, like David, like Jeremiah, in a place of lament, uh, will not push away from the Father in his pain, but will actually press in, press into that relationship. I think it's profound, which is the second step of lament. We begin with our concern, we begin with our questions, and then we begin to turn to God And we pray those questions and we pray through those struggles. What we see in the Lament Psalms is not silence. I would say to you that silence in pain is a soul killer. Like if you are in pain and you go to silence, we are setting ourselves up for the enemy to devour to devour us. Um, Psalm 77.1 says this, I cry aloud to God, out loud. And then it says again, aloud to God. So if you weren't listening the first time, I cry aloud to God. Are you listening? Aloud to God. And he will hear me. Takes faith, takes faith to lay our painful questions and struggles before the Lord and to pray and to turn to God. And it's messy. It's messy. Lament is not formulaic, it is not simple, Uh, it is hard work and it takes time. It is a journey. It requires your faith and your courage and your boldness. And we see this in Jesus in the garden as well. If you will open your Bibles, I want to show you a psalm of lament uh, that we will work through. If you have your Bible, I would invite you to open to Psalm 22. um, And we're going to... Look at this psalm and think about when we're practicing lament, what does it look like to hold pain and promise, the pain of our life and the promise of God all at the same time uh, together in Psalm 22. I want to start by uh, looking just at the first few verses of Psalm 22, and I wonder if you will recognize uh, these verses. Psalm 22, the psalmist is David. This is the prayer of King David. King David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. When we read verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that ring a bell to anyone in the room? Yeah, it's the cry of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Quoting Psalm 22 on the cross. Bold requests of David, would you agree? Courageous, honest, raw, real prayers from David, would you agree? Not tame. And Jesus quotes this psalm on the cross. Um, I would tell you that biblical lament empowers us to feel deeply anguish and to ask boldly before God. David is praying all the why questions. He's praying the why questions where lament begins, like we see it in Psalm 22. Here's what I want to tell you about the why questions. Why, your why questions, when you begin lament with your concerns and your complaints and your hard questions, your questions, your why questions do not always get answered. Either in the lament psalms, they don't always get answered, and in our lives, they don't always get answered. We are free to ask them, certainly. We are free to ask them and to courageously and boldly come before the living God with our pain, with our struggle, with our questions, but we will not always get the answer to the why question on this side of heaven. And the grace of lament is that it allows us to move from the why questions to the who. That's, that's turning to God with our prayers. When we, when we turn to God in faith, uh, what, what happens in lament is that we move from the why questions to the who, who is God himself. Who we are asking the questions to is God. Again, it takes faith to lament. Despairing is figuring this out all by myself. Lament is holding on to faith in God in the midst of our pain and our struggle. It takes faith to hold space between the pain of our lives and the promises of God. Writers of lament stake their claim on what God has promised to do. They stake their claim on what God ha how God has been faithful in the past, and they stake their claim on how God will remain faithful in the present and in the future, and they put their faith in action, even if what they feel or maybe what they see right in front of them in the natural isn't, isn't what they would want or desire. What they want and desire is not to feel pain and struggle. And so they're holding on to faith in the midst of it, which would be our third point. We need to learn to pray the gospel. Yes, have your concern. Yes, ask your hard questions. Yes, pray those questions and struggles. But ultimately, we need to learn and lament to pray the gospel. What do I mean? Next three verses in Psalm 22. 
We just read the first two verses. Now let's read the next three. The psalmist David says, Yet I, I'm crying out by day, and you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. Verse two, yet, verse three, you, you, God, are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises, and you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved, and in you they trusted, and they were not put to shame. The concerns of David in verse one and two, the complaint, the bold, the bold why questions turn where? They turn to God. They turn to deliverance. They turn to salvation. They turn to hope in the midst of the pain. That's what we see in these five verses. Um, What we see in Psalm 22, verses one to five is this. That pain and struggle and honest, deep, hard questions, all the why questions and faith are coexisting all at the same time. Like verse one and two isn't to be separated from verse three and five. Like all of it is coexisting at the same time. That lament is holding the space between pain and promise between the pain of our struggle and the faithfulness and the goodness and the hope that we have in God. That's what Psalm 22 is, pain and faith at the same time. And that's where Jesus was in the garden. And that's where Jesus was on the cross of Calvary when he's quoting Psalm 22. He's holding pain, the pain and the struggle in his humanity, dying on the cross, literally suffering unto death and faith and the Father all at the same time. One of the things that you uh, might not know is that uh, when Jesus cries out Psalm 21 on the cross, really he's referencing and quoting and acknowledging the entire psalm by quoting Psalm 22 verse 1. Jesus only shares the first verse of the psalm, but because of the scriptural literacy of the Jewish People in Jesus' day, people would have assumed they would have immediately, they would have heard Psalm 22, verse 1, and they would have immediately thought of the entire Psalm, holding pain and promise all at the same time. Yes, Jesus in pain and sorrow in his humanity, and yet, and yet, trusting in the Father to deliver, to save, and to not put him to shame. Um, Most of you guys know probably this verse. There's worship songs that have been written about this verse. Um, Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning, right? Sorrow may last for the night. Jesus would say this in the Last Supper, John 16, in this world you will have trouble. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning, the promise of this psalm isn't that you wake up the next morning and that you have joy when you see the sunlight. That's not what this verse is talking about. It's not just, oh, just get to the next day. The reality of lament is lament can take days, weeks, months, years. Would you agree? So it's not just this simple like just 
Just go to bed, go to sleep. And when you wake up in the morning and you see the sunlight, then you will have joy. That's not what this psalm is talking about. The promise of the psalm is that you will see Jesus. Joy comes in the morning because the morning joy is Jesus. What do I I mean? The last two chapters in your Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, is the promise of God after the second coming of Jesus. We talked about this last week. Jesus told the disciples in the Last Supper, you will have have sorrow, you will grieve, but you will see me again and no one will take your joy away from you. And we heard Jesus, the, the, the two angels from heaven, told the disciples that again on the Mount of Olives, right, in Acts 1. Like, why do you stand here looking up? Jesus is going to come back in the same way that he went. And so we have been empowered with that same promise that we hold on to. We will see him again. And no one will take your joy away from you. So Revelation 21, Revelation 22 is the reality of the new heaven and the new earth. Did you know that Jesus himself identifies himself in Revelation 22 as the morning star? Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in Jesus, and no one will take that away from you. Here's the verse. I, Jesus, a revelation given to uh, the apostle John. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. I am the bright morning star. Joy comes in the morning. Joy is in Jesus. It's from heaven. It's supernatural. It's not out there somewhere. It's who we have in here with us. You are with me. You are with me. I will not, what did you sing? Fear. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in Jesus, and that's why nothing can take it away from you. Here's how Psalm 22 ends. It's a messianic psalm. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet un born, he has done it. When this psalm was written, guess who are the people who were yet unborn? You, us, he has done it. Biblical lament keeps you from wallowing in your sorrow to a place of despair, but actually points you to the hope that is found in Christ alone. We need to learn to pray the gospel in our lament. He has done it. Amen? Last point. We must press into community and lament. Uh, Lament is not meant to be journeyed alone. I said earlier that silence is a soul killer. Well, so is isolation. Um, Grieving alone without the help and support of God's people will set you up to be devoured by the enemy's lies. 
Have you ever, have you ever heard, some of you may have heard this uh, before, but have you ever heard the metaphor of how buffalo and how cows respond when they're in the field and they see a storm coming their way? If you haven't heard this before, I, I didn't hear, I mean, I grew up on a farm and my dad raised Angus beef cattle and I'm like, dad, you should have told me this analogy. It's a really good metaphor. But when a storm is coming on the horizon, and we have big thunderstorms in the south. We don't get them as much uh, here in Colorado. But man, I mean, the, the, the clouds roll in. It gets really dark. The smell of the atmosphere changes, like your senses. Like, and before you can see like the big lightning strikes, like the, the, the light, like the, the whole, everything's lighting up. And whether it's night or day, what cows do instinctively is they scatter away from one another and they go away from the storm. But buffalo, do you know what they do? They come in together. The storm's coming this way. The cows are scattering this way. They come in together, and guess what they do? Right into the storm. That's what buffalo do. That, that's a real, it's like a real thing. You can like look it up on the Googles, and you'll find it. Buffalo come all together and they go into the storm with one another. Do you know how trees can withstand hurricane force winds? It's because their root systems underneath get connected to each other and they share their strength with each other. It's pretty profound. I said this last week, I want to say it again. You can't go around grief. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You must go through it. And we must learn, like the buffalo, to go through it, go into it together. And we must learn, like trees, to connect to one another for strength as we go through it together. What did you notice about Psalm 22, three to five. Look at all the plural reality. In your ancestors, plural, they put their trust in God. They, they trusted. And you delivered them, plural. And then to you, they cried out to you, plural, and were saved. And in you, they trusted. And they were not put to shame. We gotta come together and lament. We can't do this Alone, Silence is a soul killer and isolation is as well. I will just tell you, I simply do not know where Lindsay and I would be, truly. I do not know where we would be um, if it were not for people who have loved us, cared for us, uh, supported us, prayed for us uh, in our lament over all these years. I don't know where we would be. Um, I love being a part of this church family. When I, when I watch life happen, painful struggle, life circumstance happen in this body, um, what I see is that when one among us is suffering, uh, you, you show up. You show up. 
Uh, I see you uh, crying and mourning with those who mourn. Uh, I am privy to messages that are sent that are full of hope and empathy. Uh, I am privy to cards written, um, the deliverance of meals. And you guys, you guys provide a lot of meals to each other when there's struggle. Um, and what might be best is just a heart to say, I am praying for you. That's important. It's essential. The grace of lament, it brings us closer to God and it brings us closer to one another. So let us not run away from lament, let us lean into it. Uh, I will tell you this, as your pastor, uh, I, I will, I will, I will go into the storm with you. I will. And I will remind you of the bright morning star. And I believe, I believe that you will go into the storm with me as well. And that gives me a lot of hope and courage in my own journey. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that a hope, the hope, is found in Christ alone. And so, Lord, as we walk in our concerns, as we ask our questions, as we pray our struggles. Ultimately, Lord, I pray that we would pray the gospel, believe the gospel, and receive the deliverance, the hope, the rescue, the healing that we have in you, Jesus, our bright morning star, and that we would come together uh, in community with one another so that we know that we are part of a family and that we are not alone in this journey. So, Lord, help us, equip us to practice lament in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.